This is Brett Hayworth, and welcome to What's the Frequency, our half-hour show that follows the exchange on Siouxland Public Media. Together, the two shows give you a variety of important information on key issues that impact our lives. In this episode, the state legislatures of all three Siouxland states are well into their second months. Last week, we checked in on what's happening in the South Dakota and Nebraska legislatures, and now we return to Iowa, where, like in the other states, there are lots of measures dealing with taxes, education, social issues, and we want our listeners to have a good understanding of what's going on. February 16th marked one of the first notable timeline dates in the Iowa legislature. That was the so-called first funnel date when bills had to have moved forward to committee level or they were killed for the year. A few that remained alive would update laws for how teachers could have guns in schools, plus increase teacher pay and change up the longstanding functioning of the regional area education agencies that provide a lot of specialty services that many smaller school districts can't provide on their own. There's a bill that also would restrict diversity, equity, and inclusion programs at Iowa's public universities. That's still alive in the Iowa House. Joining me today on What's the Frequency are lawmakers from each of the two political parties, including Iowa House members Bob Henderson, a Republican from Sioux City, and J.D. Scholten, a Democrat from Sioux City. Joining me first is Representative Henderson, who is in his first term in the House. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thanks for inviting me, Brent. To begin, uh, Republicans have strong majorities in both the Iowa legislative chambers. I'm curious about your perception on the role of the governor in legislative deliberations. Kim Reynolds is in some ways kind of the face of Republicans in the Capitol. How would you describe her style in terms of being hands-on or hands-off in pushing to get her prime proposals moving forward and enacted by you Republicans? Well, I, uh, we have a, a, a little bit of interaction with her, but not in a really formal sense. Um, she provides to us uh, House study bills, which is, you probably know, is a bill that comes from outside the legislature, and we would uh, consider those. Uh, her ideas are always, um, well, not always, but mostly considered, but that doesn't mean that we're going to pass them. I think in the House you find that um, there's an awful lot of independent thought that goes into uh, what we do. Um, as uh, perhaps even evidenced by the, the AEA bill that right. she had proposed. Um, that was not forwarded in the House because we were uncomfortable with a couple of things, with a lot of things with it, frankly. So uh, we're working on a, a new one that, that comes from the House. Um, but, of course, we stay in contact with her and um, because we certainly don't want to pass bills that she's not going to sign. And this is your first term. Uh, let people know what committees are you on and what are – what are some of the bill topics that you're most closely working on this sure. session? Yep, I, I'm on the Transportation Committee. I am on the uh, Public Safety Committee. And I'm on Local Government Committee. And I'm also the Vice Chair of the Educational Appropriations Subcommittee. Um, so um, uh, we just finished um, Funnel Week, uh, which um, is um, uh, quite a, a lengthy well, it's a lot of stuff that goes on in the same amount of time, that's for sure. We, I, I think I examined about 35 bills this week in, in um, uh, not only committees but also subcommittees, and we probably passed about 30 of them and, and um, you know, uh, uh, did not pass a couple of them, but those are uh, the important. By the way, uh, funnel week means that they have to pass the committee session before, or else they're, they're no longer going to be examined. They have to pass the committee. Right, yeah. right. And what would be some of the, what would be the issues that you've heard personally the most from Sue Landers over these first five or six weeks of this session? Sure. Uh, well, uh, certainly the AEA bill was one that that uh, generated lots and lots of uh, information. Unfortunately, it was 
not well understood that came out, and, and um, there was a lot of misinformation that was uh, put forth as a result of it that uh, caused a, a lot of um, um, heartburn, I suppose, for people. Uh, that was one. The, um, uh, there's a couple of other ones. The school safety bill is, is um, another one that's uh, rather controversial. It, it does not allow teachers to carry guns. It allows trained members of the staff who have to undergo constant training and, um, and, and be approved just as a, um, a sheriff's deputy or a, um, or a police officer would have to go through it. it. It requires all of that. They have to go through psychological training. They have to go through all kinds of training, and it's got to be continuous uh, in, 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 um, you know, in, before they can be approved to, um, to be in that position. Yeah, but it does not, it does not allow just a teacher who has um, uh, the ability to carry a gun to do that. No, that's okay. not. I was going to ask you about that later, but let's, since, sure. we're, since we're there now, let's talk about that. And I know there was Cherokee and I believe Spirit Lake were a couple mm -hmm. of Northwest Iowa districts where um, the insurers. Correct. Were, okay. So do you think what the most recent permutation of the bill gets around those insurance sort of concerns? We believe it does for a number of reasons. One is um, one, one of the things that could happen um, would be it would allow a sheriff in a particular county to be able to deputize people. That's an important thing to do because a deputy, uh, even if they're a reserve deputy, has have to go through extensive training. And, um, and then in that event, uh, in the event of a, a, a deputized person in the school having to uh, actually do something, they're going to be covered by um, by the sheriff's department insurance. But the other thing that we're doing is uh, um, putting and giving them qualified immunity, which takes that issue away from the insurance people. And we've had we've had good reports from the insurance companies that uh, w would lead us to believe that this will will be a uh, a good a good thing to do. Okay, and. You mentioned uh, the funnel day on February 16th, and, mm -hmm. and thank you for that. I want, want just one follow-up on that. What would be one or two of the bills that died that you um, didn't want to see killed that, you're, you know, that you wished had advanced, and what would be some, some of the one or two that you're most happy that, that, that they remain in play? Sure. The, um, uh, probably the one that uh, actually died in, in committee because it needed more attention, not because it was uh, fundamentally flawed, but because um, uh, there were things that needed to be done on it before we could really um, get it through, was a uh, bill to, um, how would I say this, restrict the purchase of goods from countries that are adversarial countries to us. Um, you know, we, we believe that uh, since most of the commerce that's done is not done at the federal level so much as it is at the state level that that uh, states are beginning to do this. So that one um, did not get through, but it didn't get through because there was there's a lot of work that has to be done on it as far as the legal aspects of it. Uh, chapter 26 uh, could be a, a, a real problem if we don't address that in advance. Uh, that was one. Um, one of the bills that I, I, um, I liked that, that we uh, put forth you know, a couple of years ago, we passed a bill that allowed the use of hemp to be able to um, produce um, things for like the EBT. And, uh, but that, that hemp has to, uh, and this is a federal regulation that we had to stay within 
and that is that the THC content in the hemp that's used has to be um, at 0.3% or less. Okay. And um, But what happened as a result of that is because we opened the door for that to be used, uh, now um, people who unfortunately are doing this are, are producing things um, that young people are getting their hands on um, that takes that 0.3% and then refines it further in the, in, in the things that they're producing with it to up the THC content in the result. So we had to do something about that, and we, we passed that through committee yesterday, and uh, we'll restrict the sale of those items at least right now to um, under uh, over 21. So Okay, yeah. thank you. And I'm speaking here on What's the Frequency about the Iowa legislature on legislative bills with our guest, Bob Henderson, a Republican House member from Sioux City. And returning back to some more in education, um, there's two, you know, some of the most hugely watched proposals this year on K-12 schools are the proposal to teach, to raise teacher pay to $50,000 for a minimum, and then the area education uh, agencies possible change-ups. Um, they were in one bill, I think, and now they're separated. Is that correct? That's that's the, the plan. That's correct, okay. yep, is to uh, separate those, those three items, SSA, and of course then the... Um, starting teacher pay uh, bill as well as the AEA bill. So what do you personally support? What do you want, what would, what would you support for either the teacher pay, let's do that one first, and then the AEA, like what, sure. what, what, what facets do you want to see? Yeah, the way, the way that's written, and there was a, there was a news article that came out um, uh, recently. Um, in fact, it was a front page um, article that simply stated that, um, you know, some teachers are going to get a $5,000 increase and some teachers are going to get a $156 increase. Well, that's a little misleading. And the reason it's misleading is because the way this works is to set the minimum pay at um, 50000 And I'm not even sure that's going to be at $50,000. I'm, I'm not certain of that. I think I saw a proposal for 46000 perhaps. Yeah, and, and I'm not certain it's going to go to 46000 The reason being is that the funding for the um, school safety program, which is going to be done by grant, is going to be taken from the TSA, TSS amount that's already been allocated of, uh, I think it's $96 million, something like that. It'll take $10 million away from that. So to make that work, um, we'll, we'll uh, provide the starting teacher salary, I believe. I'm, I, I may be okay. wrong about this. And it may, it's always subject to change sure. uh, at forty six. But let's just say it was at 50000 um, and um, what what happens is a starting teacher will receive fifty thousand and receive fifty thousand dollars for each year that they're in the system until they get to a step on their their contract which is above fifty thousand. Then they continue on the steps as they were uh, until the twelfth year, and then the same thing happens for a salary level of 62000 That's the way the bill was originally written. Whether it's going to continue like that or not, I don't know yet, but that's, uh, that's where it was. So it's not going to jeopardize anybody. And yes, um, you can probably say that, uh, for example, a starting teacher would be receiving 50000 rather than, let's say, the, the um, uh, state minimum, which was $33,500. Uh, that's a pretty big jump, that's for sure. 
it's not going to affect anybody else because they're already on steps that are above the 50,000. So okay. that's what it does. And then how about the EEAs? What, what in there do you personally support? Yeah, the, the thing that I, that I really like about the, this is that we're really beginning to focus more on special education. And that's not to suggest that the AAs do not provide services in other areas. But the AAs were developed originally to help special education. And that's what this focuses and refocuses on. Part of the funding of it um, was, um, had, had turned into a funding for administration. Administrative costs had risen dramatically in comparison to the costs of, um, of, of actual um, uh, services that, that went out to uh, people. This reorganizes that and puts that where it should be. It, it will minimize the number of people in the, um, at, the, at the state, at the, at the, the Department of Education, uh, reduces that to 13 people who are, who are involved directly with that. Now, I don't know exactly how that's going to operate, but my sense is that we're going to begin to evaluate special education and especially AEA services in a much more uh, closely audited fashion than just simply looking at, at standardized test scores. So I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. And what about the other services? Like, uh, again, like as I said earlier, a lot of smaller school districts can't ap afford some of the media and some of these other types of specialty services. What's well, your answer for that? Right now, what we have are, are essentially um, three bills. The bill that the governor proposed, the, go the bill that the Senate is working on, which uh, of which I am not completely familiar. And actually, I'm not even completely familiar with the House bill. So we have three different bills. So to answer that question is a little bit tricky because uh, I don't know what the final one will look like. Okay. Mm -hmm. Republicans are also talking about higher education and mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion What's the conversation going on this year, and what specifically do Republicans, or do you personally see that makes you think changes are needed in the DEI? Well, actually, changes have already taken place, and we, we just met this week, in fact, in the, in the um, uh, Education um, Appropriations Subcommittee with the three regents' presidents. And unlike last year, when about the only thing that they talked about was increases for uh, DEI services at their universities, um, there was no mention of that. And I think the Board of Regents has made it clear that, that DEI is not what their emphasis should be. We made it clear last year that that emphasis should not be. That's not to suggest that there should not be some attention given to that aspect, that social aspect, but that's not the purpose of our, our Regents universities. So I'm, I'm, kinda, I'm happy about that. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, what they said this, this year uh, was truly what they're going to do. I have no reason to believe it isn't, but um, but that's uh, that's that's really important. So I do know that they're um, you know they they do have a concern about that though. Okay, and yeah. what, like what what is the concern? Like what? I don't actually know because they didn't address that when we talked to them. Um, their concern last year was um, very very high on the list of, of making sure that they had provided things like safe spaces and and um, all kinds of things like that. Um, there was no talk of that this year. Okay. Thanks. And that's uh, Representative Bob Henderson, a Republican from Sioux City, on some insights shared here on what's the frequency on the machinations of possible legislation in the Iowa House. Thanks again, Bob. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate it. Now on What's the Frequency, I'm joined by another Iowa legislator with J.D. Scholten, a Democratic representative from Sioux City. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
The, the final day arrived on February 16th and some bills died for this session. What are one or two bills that died that you didn't want to see get killed and what are some ones that you're happy that remain still in play? I think there's three that I'm pretty uh, encouraged that they died. Well, I think the biggest one was uh, the library uh, board that override the local library board. Um, it seems like the Republicans are pretty gung-ho on taking away local control on a lot of things and, and was kind of a, an effort from a lot of different angles uh, to just, I don't know, I think we library boards are not that controversial and I, I think public libraries are a wonderful place for the community. And so uh, that was one, uh, the bill to remove gender identity protections from the Iowa Civil Rights Act. Uh, that was uh, very moving to see how many activists were down there and it was a, a good win that was unexpected i think but then the governor's uh, bill uh, came right after that on um, again we see so many punch down political uh, bills and they're just it's frustrating when you have more bills that discriminate towards lgbtq community especially athletes uh, they, they love talking about that then there are actually trans athletes in the state of Iowa. I, I think that's very disproportionate of a, and sad to see where we're at. So those, those are some of the ones. The, the other bill that allowed school districts to hire unlicensed uh, chaplains, I thought that was just unneeded. And it, it's some of these other bills too, it, it's hard to figure out all what's going on because there's House bills, there's Senate bills. Right. Um, I know the ones that I'm on the committee for, but uh, the ones that I'm not, um, there's just seems a lot of controversial stuff out there. And there's several measures, of course, that deal with K-12 education that Republicans have introduced, um, some dealing with funding and others on how, like, the school basis function. Well, I was just going to say, with the funding one, what's really frustrating is that they, they're late on letting the school districts know what their funding is going to be, their supplemental funding. And the House proposed 3%. I don't know what the Senate did. Uh, Democrats, I know, have offered 5% for several years now, and, and that uh, they're not matching anywhere close to where that is. And just to kind of put that in perspective, it's about the same amount of money that the um, with this supplemental funding, whether it's uh, – so the public schools, so we're talking, I don't know, half a million kids – um, are getting the same amount of funding as the school voucher program, which is 20,000 kids in private schools. So that, that just kind of puts things into perspective. Where does the proposal to raise teacher pay to 50,000 for a yearly minimum salary stand, and what is your level of support for that? So that was one of the more encouraging things. The AEA, uh, I mean, the AEA bill had a ton of backlash, and they've changed a lot, and currently there are two uh, bills, one in the House, one in the Senate, and they're drastically different. So who knows where we're going to end up on that. I know there's going to be a public hearing. And then the, uh, b but the one good thing, I, they separated the teacher pay. And that's what I heard a lot from constituents and from people, uh, especially on social media, that they shouldn't wrap that up in with the ADA stuff. So uh, Democrats have been supportive of teacher pay for a long time. I just want to make sure that uh, it, it, I'm glad we're raising it, but it's also you, you look at some of the teachers who have been there for a while who maybe not have gotten the pay increase or uh, kind of keeping up with the inflation rate and all that stuff. So I, I, I also want to make sure that we add uh, paraeducators and, and administrators, uh, the staff uh, that really 
help schools run, making sure that they get pay increases as well. Just to update what you said. So again, the teacher pay and the AEA were at one point were in one bill. Those last week were separated. And I know when I have speak, spoke to you previously, you said you had a lot of constituent contact on the possible AEA restructuring. Is that still a hot yeah. topic among your constituents? And what's the latest on that? And what do you want to see ultimately happen? It's still a hot topic. I think a lot of people are kind of waiting and seeing because we thought the House version was dead and then all of a sudden there was a new one. Uh, There's three bills that came out of education on Thursday that dropped literally the night before. Uh, The new AEA bill, which it's not 124 pages, it's only 32 pages. And then the supplemental uh, funding uh, for public schools, that that was one of the bills. And then the teacher pay one was uh, the other one. So um, a lot of influential stuff that dropped the night before and uh, got passed out of committee. You know, with the AEA bill, I think the one thing that we're seeing time and time again is Governor Reynolds and, and these Republicans are not including the AEAs in this discussion. And I think when we talked with um, uh, Dr. Cox here in Northwest uh, AEA, that they're very open to have a discussion and to have a, a, a review, an internal review of what is working with AEAs, what's not working. And so I think that's the number one thing is we should have that review that everyone's talking about and, and then go from there to see if there's suggestions. But like, it, it just, the dramatic, just out of nowhere, like who's asking for this, the AEA bill? That's the number one thing that I get really frustrated with is this is not Iowans. This is Governor Reynolds with her corporate consultant out of Virginia, just trying to get more power uh, at the Department of Education because she controls who heads the Department of Education. And it's taken local control away from uh, these regional AEAs and the superintendents I've talked with love their AEAs, love their relationship with them. And it's just, I don't know who's asking for this. And that's the big frustrating part of all this. Okay, and I'm speaking here on What's Frequency about Iowa legislature issues with our guest. It's J.D. Shulton, a Democratic representative from Sioux City. Another K-12 education-related issue lies in how best to secure schools against uh, shooting incidents. There's a proposal to update the laws for how teachers could have guns in schools. What do you think of the existing measure that Republicans have in place that went through funnel? And what personally would you support in terms of school safety realm? Yeah, so that's been, I think, in education, and I am not on the education committee, so I haven't really read the bill thoroughly, but, you know, I mean, we saw what happened in Kansas City with the horrible shooting incident there where there were 800 armed police officers there, and they weren't able to prevent uh, a shooting. So, you know, more guns is maybe not the answer that we should be looking for, especially in school. You know, it's just a sad time here in, in the U.S. where events like that are not out of the norm. And so I'm for trying to figure out a solution to make it safer. We all want our kids to be safe. We all want to be able to drop our kids off at school and allow them just to focus on being kids and and getting a decent education. And the way the gun laws are now and loosening them that we've seen here in the state of Iowa, uh, just relaxing more and more, allowing more and more dangerous people to have the option to buy guns without any oversight. I just think has been the wrong way to go in the state. And so um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see if there's any work on the bill because uh, I've, I've heard chatter about trying to find 
some sort of uh, common sense with, with this. But um, again, I haven't seen the specific bill, but uh, I, I know it did get out of committee. When we turn to higher education, Republicans also have some concerns about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion programs on the, on the college level. Do you personally see anything in the public college realm that makes you think changes are needed in the DE, DEI realm? Not at all. It's they're looking for culture war attacks, and this is just another thing. You know, when I ran against Steve King in Congress, he talked about diversity is not our strength. Well, I 100% disagree with that because you look at some of the things that are making Iowa thrive right now, and it is our diverse uh, communities. You know, like I, I love Sioux City and how uh, diverse it is. I love going to uh, a Vietnamese restaurant one day and and uh, going to a Central American bakery the next day and and all the different cultures that we have in Sioux City, um, you know, I let those voices be heard. And, and that means like putting people in leadership roles all across uh, the state and all the, uh, across the spectrum. And so uh, I think these are just another culture war, punch down politics type of thing that I think most Iowans are just kind of sick of. And I'm speaking here on What's Your Frequency about hot topics in the Iowa legislature with our guest, Democratic House Representative J.D. Shulton. What, what are the prime things that you're working on as a Democratic lawmaker here in late February? Yeah, there's a couple. I'm, I'm really interested in the governor's uh, foreign farmland ownership ban. Uh, it, the, the way that it is right now, it's been passed out of the House and Senate. Uh, I think it's the same bill in both Um uh, it's been a pass out of committee, and I'm eager to see that on the floor. I think it can be written a little bit better because there's a lot of, um, I wouldn't say clear loopholes, but there's a lot of opportunity to have loopholes. And anything that we can do to, to kind of strengthen that, I firmly believe that food security is national security. One of the things I'm, I'm also extremely concerned about is uh, the there was a bill in the Senate that's still alive that uh, is, is a union busting bill and it would let the state immediately decertify a public sector union and if the union's employer doesn't provide the state with a list of union members uh, before the ratification of the vote and I just I, I think that's a dangerous way you know um, the, the state has uh, dramatically moved to anti-worker and with a lot of right to work laws and, and stuff like that. And I just, this is not a necessary bill that the state of Iowa needs right now. Thank you. And then uh, to wrap up, are there any other percolating issues in the Iowa legislature that you're keeping an eye on that you think are worth a mention? Yeah. The election bill is something that in the house that, um, it allows federal candidates, uh, to have, if you're a felon, you can run for federal office but right now you can't even vote in the state of Iowa. So, this is clearly a vote or a, a way to allow for the legitimacy of uh, Donald Trump if he becomes a felon, and it, it just to it takes away drop boxes from voting, and it just and it makes it harder for absentee ballots as well. And so, it's just a very anti-democratic bill that you know is just unnecessary, and it's very frustrating to uh, like limit the election process and the inclusiveness of it. I think that we should be going in the other direction where we should get more people involved in politics and more people uh, involved in voting. I think that's best for our democracy, but 
uh, I guess Republicans don't think that that's uh, important to them. Okay. Thank you for, for all that perspective. I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us, Representative Schulten, and thanks for fitting us in. I know it's busy during a legislative task and all the yeah. things that you have going on. No worries. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for this edition of What's the Frequency. Many thanks to our guests, Bob Henderson, a Republican from Sioux City, and J.D. Schulten, a Democrat from Sioux City, for speaking on topics related to Iowa state legislative issues. The Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska legislatures have several weeks to go for lawmakers to kill or pass bills. And here on What's the Frequency and other Siouxland Public Media news shows, we will keep you on top of those moves as they happen. Thank you for listening, and please join us again next week. With our new schedule, What's the Frequency now airs on Fridays at 10.30 a.m. and again on Sundays at 2.30 p.m. For Siouxland Public Media News, I'm Brett Hayworth. (laughs) 